This is part two of our focus on Ephesians 1, 17 to 19, and it's Paul's prayer following the longest sentence in the Bible about some of the greatest glorious blessings from God in the Bible. So what is he praying? He's praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you or give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, these are great realities. The spirit of wisdom and of revelation, the knowledge of God, the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know. We need a session on this, we need a session on this, we need a session on this, and then we go here. So the focus in this session is his prayer for the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. Father, he's praying for this, and I'm praying for the understanding of this and then the experience of this. Would you grant to us to know what the spirit of wisdom and of revelation is that Paul is asking for, for believers, and then in grasping its meaning, would you grant us this reality? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So remember that he's praying. This is something we need so badly and do not have the fullness of, at least, that he's asking it would come. He's praying. And the second thing to notice is that he's praying for you. Who's you? Well, the you in the preceding verses is, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. These are real Christians. These are not defective Christians. These are, he's not scolding anybody here. He's praying for all of us that this would happen, that a spirit of wisdom and a revelation would be given to us so that we can know God. So how are we going to decide whether this S here should be capitalized or not? Because several translations make a little spirit. And there's nothing in the original Greek that settles the matter. They didn't use capitals. This is totally a contextual decision that you can make as well as I can make, and you must make. Is this the Holy Spirit, or is this your spirit of wisdom shaped by wisdom, or is it some combination of the two? How shall we decide such a thing? And the answer is context. So let's look at some contextual things in Ephesians. Let's just go back, for example, a few verses to chapter 1, 7 through 9. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Now, what's that grace going to produce? Which, which grace he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, we have, by grace, as a mark of what it means to be born of God, 
we have wisdom and we have insight in the knowledge of the mystery of his will. So when he prays that we would have a spirit of wisdom and a revelation, we're not starting from scratch in the answer to this prayer. That's the first observation. Then look at verse 13 of chapter 1. In Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. So when he prays here that we would be given the spirit of wisdom and of revelation, even if this is to be capitalized, it doesn't mean we're, he's praying that the Holy Spirit would come for the first time. He's praying to people who are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit. So he's asking either that our spirits, little s, be marked with wisdom and revelation, or that the Holy Spirit would somehow do more for us so that we would have a fuller experience of the Spirit. What would be the principle that would guide us in the way the Holy Spirit relates to our spirit, little s? First thing I would say is Ephesians 5.18. Don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, he tells us, but be filled with the Spirit. So this phrase right here indicates that there are degrees of experience of the Holy Spirit. More or less fullness, more or less power, more or less freedom, more or less sway and control and formation. There are degrees. And so he could be praying here, may God grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. May you get a fuller experience of the spirit in granting you fuller wisdom and fuller uh, knowledge of revelation. Here's the principle. Romans 8, 5. Those who are, sometimes translated live, just exist in the original. Those who are according to the flesh have the mindset of the flesh. Mindset of the flesh or attitude set. It's a very unusual and wonderful Greek word that we don't have one quite like in English. But those who are according to the Spirit have the mindset of the Spirit. So the point I'm making here is the Spirit here shapes the mindset. And if the Spirit is fully active, this mindset is more fully the mindset of the Spirit. So we come back here and say, so if the Spirit that he's praying for were fully granted, fully influential, fully powerful and holding sway in our lives, our spirits would be more fully in tune with the Holy Spirit. Now, is there a clue in the book of Ephesians that something like that is going on? Look at chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Whoa, that's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Be renewed in an ongoing way. You are new in Christ, 
Now put off that old self completely and grow in your likeness to Christ with the spirit of your mind. The mind has a tone. It has a form. It has a spirit. It has a likeness to Jesus. It has an openness and sensitivity and capacities for welcoming wisdom and revelation. So that if you go to Colossians 1.9, where Paul is praying something almost the same as in Ephesians 1.17, we have not ceased to pray for you. That's what he says in Ephesians. Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. How? In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So here, instead of praying for the Spirit of wisdom, he is praying that we would have spiritual wisdom, which would mean spirit-formed, spirit-guided wisdom. So that's what I'm inclined to think is going on here when he says, I'm praying that God might give you a spirit of wisdom. That is, a Holy Spirit formed, shaped, empowered spirit of wisdom, mindset of wisdom, and of revelation. Now, what does that mean, wisdom and revelation? And here's the key, I think. This is so important in chapter 3. The mystery was made known to me. I'm an apostle. We're going to see that apostles and prophets get this revelation down here, but let's read it. The mystery was made known to me by revelation. So revelation comes to the apostle uniquely, as I have written briefly. And then he writes it down. So revelation goes to apostle, apostle writes a letter. When you read this, and that's the next thing that happens. So step one, God reveals to the apostles. Step two, the apostles write a letter. Step three, we read the letter. When you read this, you can perceive. If you have a wise and spiritual mind, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to the apostles and prophets. So here's revelation, and here's revelation. And revelation comes to the apostles. Apostles write authoritative letters to churches, and then they are read, and he says, you can grasp my spirit-given insight into mystery. You can. If this prayer is answered, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, grant or give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, meaning the capacity with God-sent wisdom to read and understand and embrace and enjoy and live out the revelation that God has given me and I have imparted to you through the book of Ephesians. So my interpretation is spirit of wisdom and revelation means a Holy Spirit-shaped human spirit, a Holy Spirit-influenced and empowered and illumined human spirit 
which then can grasp the wisdom of Paul's God-given revelation, which now leads to the knowledge of God and then is described as the eyes of our hearts being open, and we take those one at a time.